This WebmasterRadio.fm program is made possible in part by the following. My.AFCON2010.com My.AFFCON2010.com Your social media source for AFCON 2010. The Trade Show, where affiliates always attend for free. Sign up today at My.AFCON2010.com Check out photos and videos from our past events. Plus, check out our blog and discussion forums. Start socializing today and tell your friends to sign up now at my.afcon2010.com. Sign up today at my.afcon2010.com. The opinions expressed on this Webmaster Radio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of Webmaster Radio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of Webmaster Radio.fm is prohibited. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. Find it here every week on SEM Synergy. Join your host as we learn from the elite of search engine marketing pros and find the winning formula for exceptional search engine marketing. Get the latest news, trends, and analysis in SEO, PPC, branding, SEO design, and analytics. Now, welcome your host, a founding father of SEO and an accomplished search engine marketing scholar, the host of SEM Synergy, Bruce Clay. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on SEM Synergy. I'm your host, Bruce Clay. With me today are Susan and Virginia. Good afternoon, everyone. Hi, good afternoon. You can catch SEM Synergy every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's noon Pacific. You can also download it at any time from Webmaster Radio Search Engine Optimization Channel. You can stream it on semsynergy.com, or you can pick it up on iTunes. Our guest today is Tracy Falk. She's the head of SEO and social media at Freestyle Interactive. Tracy spoke at SES New York on the Twitter automation panel, and she'll be sharing her thoughts on how Twitter automation can be done with a human touch uh, a little bit later on the show. Right now, I thought we'd talk about the user interface Google has been showing off, uh, although I, I admit I haven't seen it as often as I would have thought I would have, uh, but they've been showing off to users lately and you know what it may mean to SEOs. Among the three of us, Susan's the only one who's actually experienced it in the wild. Yes. In the wild. I hate it. I'm not, I'm not even going to, like, temporize it. Oh, it's a drastic change. No, I hate it. Flat out hate it. It's got a, um, col- a left-hand column now that has all the, uh, the more options and filters that we're used to seeing, but it's there permanently. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean... There's so much information in a tight little space, and there's way too much going on. I think my problem is this. Ask has something similar, right, where they've got their left-hand column, and you can zoom in and zoom out and change things. But it's much wider. It's a much more gentle implementation. It doesn't feel like they're cramming a ton of stuff into this teeny tiny little white space, and it's actually useful. This doesn't feel useful to me. This just feels like it's everything they could possibly try and throw at you. And I really don't like that about it. I really don't like getting to a page when I already know what I'm looking for when I hit a search results page, right? I have something in my mind that I'm looking for. I'm not looking for more options once I hit the search results page. If I was, I would have put it in my query already, right? Well, it seems to me that 
Uh, one of the things that everybody liked about Google when it first came out was the simplicity of the search results. Yeah. It was reasonably straightforward. Then they folded in Universal. Now, Universal, too many cluttered the search results, right? And whether it did or didn't, it was more engaging. Yeah. Now, if I'm on a mission, I am going to totally disregard the left-hand column because I want what I want. If I want to shop, I may go down there and click more shopping sites. Maybe. But all you need to do is give me a radio button that says that. Uh, or like the old Yahoo mindset, the slider bar. Let me decide what I want. Uh, this is an attempt to really hook the person that has nothing better to do with their time and just wants to browse through everything every way it is. Oh, I want to see every. I want to see the images, or I want to see the more shopping, or less shopping, or I want to see uh, what happened the last 24 hours. I mean, I can understand that for certain queries, these things make sense, and I can understand how they personalize it based upon the type of the query. But my first reaction is I want a way to turn it off. To me, it feels like something that's probably very useful for the Google team, right? They want to test all of these different ways of looking at it, so they threw everything in the column so that they can go through and quickly click everything. Most people are not looking for results like that. And I, I, I am just so turned off by this. And the first time I saw it, I complained about it on Twitter. I posted a little twit pic of it. And it's... It's just, it feels so cluttered, particularly now since you've got three columns going on. You've got the very little squished everything with the anytime results and standard shopping, Wonder Wheel, whatever. You've got your actual search results, which are now not in the spot where you expect them to be because they've been shoved over by this other information. And then you've got your ads, if they're running ads on that particular query. So now you've got three columns when... You know, I, Bruce, you said earlier before we started that the clean, simple look of Google was their win. Well, to me, this is Google engineers putting things in because they can, not because they should. Yeah. This is not something that marketing decided. This is something that was decided because, oh, my God, we are Google and we can do this and we have the ability to do this. And look at how it helps everybody. It well, the answer is... is yeah. 2% of the Google users are probably really search power users. It and feels, what they've done is they've turned off 98% to satisfy the 2%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels very engineer-built. You know, it, it, that's exactly what it is. Engineers want every option to be right there because it's so simple and efficient and quick, right? That's engineer thinking. And don't make me think is the way everyone else treats it. You know, give me the answer. Give me... The result. That's why one box results work. That's why, you know, people, it's why people like the I feel lucky button. It's not that they use it. It's that the option is there to use it and just take away their choice and just go. Well, what was wrong with more options? That's, that's my question. I just liked it like that because I certainly use the filters at times, but it doesn't have to be in your face all the time. The average person isn't going to care about this. And I'll tell you, if I'm actually using Google.com, and if I should choose to use it from a mobile device, what am I going to get? It doesn't look like this on my mobile. That that much I've noticed. Um, and if yeah, but your did, mobile device is in Canada. It, that is true. For some reason, <laughs> Google, um, when they geolocate me, always think that that my uh, IP address is Canadian. I'm not really sure. Um, 
It's a BlackBerry. Anybody know? T-Mobile? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, I don't know, it's odd. But that actually brings up a good point, is that the other thing that they've done is they've added your location right below the search box. Every single time. No matter where you are. really relevant all the time. Right. Exactly. And why? I know where I am. <laughs> why are you telling me? Is everything geo-targeted? I what happens if you're in outside of the U.S.? Uh, is it going to geo-target by zones automatically? In other words, is 100% of the Google results going to be localized? Is well, that what's going to happen? Yeah. And are they auto-detecting your location if you're signed in and you have your location set? What if I'm signed in and I happen to be in New York instead of here in Simi Valley, but my location is set to Simi Valley? Are they going to auto-detect that this time I'm signing in from New York? Hmm. Probably. There's a lot of pieces of software out there that will detect where you are. It's not that hard to do. The thing here is... Um, at the beginning of the year, in my year in a preview, I actually said that by summer there's going to be a new search result listing. I didn't have a clue it was going to be cluttered. It didn't even occur to me that this would be what they would do. Yeah. Uh, is this more engaging? If I'm curious, maybe. Is it more of a push-off? Is, it, is the simplicity of the Google result page gone? That's really the question here. And I think so. I think so. Search Engine Land has um, good coverage with a bunch of screenshots if you haven't seen it. Right. Um, called New Google UI in the wild again with auto-detected location. So if yeah. you haven't seen it, that's where you can go to find it. But I'm sure it'll be hitting you soon. Uh, it's time for a quick break. And when we come back, Tracy Falk will be joining us. More SEM synergies on the way. Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back. AFCON 2010, the trade show that you know where affiliates always attend for free, makes its way to Denver, June 21st through 23rd. Register today at AFFCOM2010.com. AFCON 2010 is different from those other affiliate trade shows designed for the affiliate manager, where you can pay up to $1,500 just on a single registration. That's why AFCON 2010 offers you an alternative, a show that's free for affiliates, not to mention over 80% of our attendees are affiliates. AFCON 2010 brings you a wide range of sessions, essential for significant affiliate marketing achievement. Plus, we are proud to be working with Search Engine Strategies to present an additional day of all new Search Engine Marketing sessions and tracks. Add unbeatable nighttime networking, capped off by WebmasterRadio.fm's annual affiliate bash, and you have the complete affiliate trade show experience for free. Join the thousands in the affiliate marketing community that are making the switch to AFCON 2010, the trade show that's free for all affiliates. June 21st through 23rd in Denver. Register today at AFFCON2010.com. That's AFFCON2010.com. Staying ahead of the curve to deliver the best online marketing solutions you need. That's what the JAR Group is all about. The JAR Group offers a full-service suite of marketing and managing solutions custom-tailored for affiliate search and social media. The JAR Group uses their resources and research to help meet and exceed the revenue expectations of each and every client. 
Find out how the Jar Group can work for you at thejargroup.com. That's thejargroup.com. The Jar Group, online marketing with measurable results. State of Search, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the International Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on webmasterradio.fm. Once again, here's Bruce Clay. Welcome back to SEM Synergy. This is Virginia, and I'm joined by Tracy Falk, who runs content and SEO and SEM and social media for Freestyle Interactive. And at SES New York last month, Tracy spoke on a panel focused on Twitter automation, um, certainly offlighting, oh, offloading some of the tasks of managing Twitter is an exciting prospect for some businesses. So I've invited Tracy to talk about how to automate without losing quality and without spamming. Thanks for coming on the show, Tracy. Thanks for having me. So what kind of tweets or topics work best for automation in your experience? Well, the obvious answers um, really revolve around who is on that particular channel. And Twitter, like any social media channel or any digital channel, in fact, is all about audience. Um, Fortunately, there's a lot of uh, digital industry types on the Twitter platform itself. So um, the clear kind of winners in that game um, in terms of topics are social media, CRM, anything really related to digital. But primarily Twitter um, automation is about uh, using Twitter as a push channel. Um, Clearly, you know, you're going to be using topics which relate to your industry. You're going to be using uh, keywords which will help you um, search engine optimized with real-time search updates. Um, really, it's about finding your niche. So use your traditional SEO research to kind of determine your keywords, fill your tweets with topics, uh, your topics of interest. So for instance, if you're a business selling outsourcing services, um, these are the kinds of tweets that really work best for automation. You want to be dropping a link to your site for traffic generation. You want to be plugging in all of your blog updates, Um, any kind of campaign updates that you might have, essentially content publication. And on an interview that I saw uh, with you, I think it was on Search Engine Watch, um, you kind of spoke to an 80-20 rule, like 80% automation, but there still has to be that 20% human touch. So if you're managing an account, what requires that human intervention? Well, essentially... um, If you're an individual who's tweeting, I would recommend that you have a very good mix of automation topics from humor to insight to art to whatever interests you uh, with about, you know, a a mixture of one to ten self-promotional kinds of tweets. But if you're a business, you still want to maintain that friendly, casual tone. You want to be, um, you know, pushing your agenda, obviously, but you want to also make your profile human. Now, what tends to happen in that respect is that people begin to respond to you. Um, if you're using the right tone of voice, obviously they'll begin picking up your content and either retweeting it. Um, some of them might even directly reply. 
And that's the time that you really need to jump in and intercede. Um, if people are picking up your topics and retweeting them regularly, you want to follow them, you want to uh, thank them, you want to uh, generally even send them direct messages, but not automated direct messages. You want to kind of be thanking them for spreading your content about. Um, clearly, if there's any uh, negative replies as well, you need to be responding to those as well. Um, and how do you recommend responding to negative feedback? Is there a process that you follow or kind of depends on the situation? Any particular business that becomes involved in social media, um, particularly in a platform like Twitter, where we have what we call Twitter storms, you know, uh, large uh, bursts of activity, which can really work to spread both good or bad publicity online, you really need to have a game plan, a crisis management plan in effect. And um, what do I mean by that? We tend to go into businesses and assess them for, uh, do they have a complaints department? Do they have a customer service department? Um, do they have any individuals that are enabled within the business, both in the social media sphere, but also um, in terms of their public relations training, are they capable of speaking on behalf of the company in a way that kind of fits the party line? Sometimes these people sit within customer service. Sometimes they sit within sales. So really it's about setting that up um, initially. Uh, when you begin to get negative criticism, um, there's a few rules that I follow. And the first is hold up. Um, you know, don't do anything at first. You want to secondly investigate them. You know, have a quick look at their Dream, what are they talking about? What are their interests? How many followers do they have? Because clearly if they're quite influential, you need to be responding very, very carefully. Um, you want to follow them. You might want to follow any friends, for instance, that are also involved in the conversation so that you're getting um, a nice, you, you know, larger picture of what's happening within their group. And you really want to carefully consider any kind of responses. Generally speaking, I tend to recommend at this stage that we set up some customer service Twitter accounts um, where we can actually just divert. So for instance, in the case that we're running a campaign or trying to keep the topic really related to the services that we're trying to sell or the products, when someone finds that stream and, and gives you a negative reply, more than, you know, in most of those cases, what you want to do is say, oh gosh, you know, thanks for that feedback. Um, why don't you speak to at customer service and really it's just a process of trying to divert them so that um, you know as I say so that you can really bring the topic back to what what it is that you want to be discussing with your followers and then clearly once that has occurred um, keeping a log of those uh, interactions so that you can follow them up so that you can either direct message them back or if you feel that the issue has been solved um, in a very satisfactory way then clearly uh, that's good publicity. So you can at reply them again and start up a dialogue and they they can come as well as their friends that you're following can become your brand uh, heroes, really. Um, I love that process. That really kind of spells it all out and gives people some actionable ideas of how to handle this if, when, if and when it comes up. Um, clearly, though, if you're someone who's having a, a really major crisis, um, an online reputation management issue, then it's going to be time to hit the war, the war room, um, and really sit down as a business and decide how you're going to respond. Um, I, 
in some of these cases, let's say, for instance, you're um, an airline company and a plane has crashed, you know, you, you have some real responsibilities to the public. So, you know, that's a slightly different um, situation than your, your basic marketing um, use of Twitter. So, Right. Yeah. Sometimes they might be uncovering things that you have to address across the organization. And that makes sense. Um, kind of switching gears. A lot of uh, new technologies are kind of emerging out of and around Twitter, including, um, you know, Twitter recently introduced like location based features. Um, do you have any recommendations for businesses that might be able to take advantage of that kind of thing? Yes. Well, here's your headline. Get your CRM system in order, really. That's that's what the location-based uh, business is all about, really. Um, really, it's about making sure that you have a decent um, CRM system in place, making sure that you have a good segmentation strategy, um, figuring out where your audience is and how you're going to tie that information back in, how you're going to use the intel to sell your products or sell your events or your services, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to market on Twitter, um, you need to have something in place that can capture information for you and alert you and, you know, allow you to begin to make intelligent business decisions about who you want to be interacting with, who you want to be following up and how. Um, do you think that location type uh Technologies, kind of like Foursquare or, or these um, more new on the scene platforms are something that businesses should be paying attention to or is Twitter kind of enough right now? I think for most businesses, Twitter is enough. Um, let's face it, you know, most of, um, most of our clients and most of the business world out there, particularly business to business world, are just now getting up to speed with social media as something that must be done, that has to be done. Um, in order to preserve their brand. And I personally think that social, um, social media is dead in the sense that it's a channel. It's a channel like any other channel that we use um, in the digital sphere. And it's going to become, uh, you know, just the way that we do the internet in five years' time. But businesses just now are just getting up to speed. I see clients or businesses that try to open a Twitter account and a Facebook page and, and do all of these things without a kind of cohesive strategy behind it. Um, really, you know, getting that in order first is the biggest thing. I think things like location-based advertising, absolutely vital. And if you are a company who is comfortable in this space and who can take up um, the added kind of uh, layers and dimensions of, of CRM strategy and um, you know, targeting. If you can do that now, then brilliant. What you should be paying attention to is augmented reality for sure. Um, but really, that's on the bleeding edge, I believe, for lots of businesses these days. I think we're looking at two to three years before most businesses, other than the big brands who, you know, um, have all the money in the world to spend on location-based features. I think it's a bleeding edge technology that, you know, will take a while to catch up to speed with. But when we do catch up to speed, it's, it's going to be absolutely vital. I, I personally believe that augmented reality is going to be huge. Um, I just read a report in New Media Age, which is a UK publication where we're based. And uh, there's a report saying that there's a, excuse me, there's a tenfold increase 
um, in mobile ticket purchases by 2014. Now, we already know for a fact from our client base that mobile ticketing has become huge. But what happens when you have a locational platform um, and you can begin affiliate advertising? So not only do you step off the bus, not only do you buy your ticket on your mobile, um, you step off the bus and you're logged into a platform um, like Foursquare or an, uh, some sort of uh, location-based uh, marketing program that's built on top of those APIs like Layer, etc. When you get there, um, you get a ticket that says, hey, we know that you go to Starbucks. Um, would you like 50% off your Starbucks coffee today? Um, so it's really about reaching customers in their environment where they are. And personally, I think that all businesses should be really um, doing a lot of hygiene work right now around what kind of implementation they have uh, for their CRM systems, uh, because I think that's really going to play the biggest role in uh, utilizing all of these location-based features. Certainly there's exciting times ahead, but exciting times right now um, as well. And thank you for sharing this with us. You can contact Tracy on Twitter at Tracy underscore F-A-L-K-E. And thanks again for coming on the show, Tracy. Thanks for having me. Uh, after the break, we're going to take a look at some recent search news. SEM Synergy will be right back. Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back. What is this? Why is my website not ranking higher? Well, sounds like you could use a link building report from SEOfox.com. What's that? You can't rank without good backlinks. And SEOfox.com's link building report lets you enter domains and compare their backlinks. It gives a detailed report that shows you why each domain ranks where it does, and it reduces the time it takes to find more links. With SEOfox.com's link building report, you can find more links, use their search marketing services to find more links, or better yet, they could even build your own backlinks. So you think you're pretty sly with that SEO Fox link building report. <laughs> sly like a fox. Get your link building report today at seofox.com. That's seofox.com. Looking for an affiliate network that can package every solution an advertiser or publisher needs in one account? Your one-stop source for full-service solutions is admedia.com. AdMedia delivers an incredible lineup of specialized XML feeds for local, social, and search, plus the advertising arsenal of PPC, SEM, contextual, display, and more. AdMedia gives your campaign real visibility, from emailers to domain redirects. AdMedia tailors your all-in-one campaign to give your account a real advantage. AdMedia.com delivers cost-effective ad solutions with real conversions. Learn everything AdMedia can do for you today. Sign up at AdMedia.com. AdMedia, strong ROI made simple. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Jim Hedger and Dave Davies bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Webcology. 
Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Search Engine Marketing Formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on WebmasterRadio.fm. Once again, here's Bruce Clay. Welcome back to SEM Synergy. I'm Susan here with Virginia and Derek Gross. And earlier in the show, Bruce and Virginia and I talked a little bit about the new Google user interface that's been rolling out. Um, they changed a bunch of stuff, and obviously this is going to have some impact on SEOs as well as users and, and how we face that. But that's not really the only news that's going on, so we wanted to catch up on a bit of the headlines that have been going on in the past week or so. Another redesign, YouTube, obviously, and I know this is going to shock everyone because I love everything these days, but I hate it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that it's interesting that YouTube is trying to get people to stick on the site a little longer. Um, YouTube obviously holds a couple of different uh, objectives or goals for its users. There's the fact that it's the number two search engine, and then there's the fact that, as we were talking about this earlier, they are kind of a, a database or, or a right. The, the defining difference between, let's say, YouTube and, and, a, and a typical search engine is that they actually house the material that you're searching for. So, you know, by that, they're I think trying to increase the stickiness of people staying and not just looking at one or two pieces of content, but then searching for another and another and another. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the goal is to keep you on site as long as possible to keep following that rabbit trail of video to video to video, which is why I think that the the change is very odd because they do put those related videos front and center but it seems like the relevancy of the videos is just terrible yeah yeah i was just checking this morning even and it, i don't feel that at least yet they've got quite the handle on the relevancy match and it's probably very difficult to do because you don't you know you can't just use a keyword match I mean, you've got to be able to match behavior and then associate with this is like that and and, and how do you track all that yeah yeah and and i don't know that everyone who's uploading videos is taking advantage of all of the metadata content that you can add in. You know, they might throw something in the description, but what they put in the description might be entirely unrelated. It might be the lyrics to a song. It might be a snippet from Wikipedia about the song. It could be anything. And and trying to keep the relevance there, I mean, the users themselves don't know how to do it, and there's not enough there for the for Google or YouTube to mine to categorize it properly. Correct. So, it, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that they've got a long way to go. They, they've got a, a pretty big challenge ahead of them. But um, so then another interesting change to a social network, I guess, if you want to call YouTube a social network. It's all things to all people. Well, it is. I mean, you know, people post videos talking to other people or... Whatever, but I think I think you can call YouTube social media in, to a certain extent. It's okay, not right, exactly. So, so there's a community involved. Um, Facebook, they uh, well, not only did they change the way fan pages work instead of become a fan now you like and that it's an interesting uh, change of just the language there. But they've also added a, a whole new kind of page, community pages. Uh, I guess this one is intended to allow users to share uh, or create a page on any topic, not a brand, not a, 
a discussion page. Right. Oh, it's, it's clearly it's, it's a move to to increase its its social ability to the, the sense of community. It's a, it sense to to I guess <laughs> suck the general population even more than they already have. Uh, in, in all seriousness, uh, it's you know I think the semantic change from fan to like I, I think that's probably not so much here or there, but the the, the creation of the these I guess the broadening of the sense of community uh, certainly is meant to uh, increase the engagement level to keep people even longer and the site to to make it much more of a hub of where you want to go so that you're not necessarily going to two or possibly three different social media outlets. If they were going to change the word that they had people joining pages from, I would have thought maybe they could some, do something a little more neutral. I'm in it like like obviously it suggests an affinity, but maybe it's just something that you want to affiliate yourself with. Right, right. And, well, and, and how many give us a don't like fan pages are there at the moment? Everybody, you know, just because somebody posts something and you want to support it doesn't mean that you like it, right? If I say, oh my gosh, I'm having a terrible day and someone says, I like this, do they mean they like that I'm having a terrible day? Or do, are they just, like, giving me, you know, a little pat on the back, I'm sorry, you're having a terrible day, I know that I'm here to support you. And support might be a better word for it. I I think that the change from become a fan to like is unnecessary, but if they were going to change it, they needed to well, hone again, it in I, more on, on the actual... Right. Again, I think this is just a semantic change, and as uh, anybody who's been using Facebook has seen, they'll change things again and change them again and again, and then they'll do it without really any notification. So for all we know, this is just going to be kicked around again in a couple of weeks. So uh, I I don't think that this is indicative that now this is forever in stone. This is now what it's going to be. I mean, in a month, it could be something completely different. Maybe it'll become a nod or something. Who knows? Right, yeah. And by the way, I trademarked that. If that happens, I called it. Okay. You you called (laughs) nod. Somebody timestamped that. (laughs) So, what about the fact that there's communi- community pages now? Um, with Lisa's uh, WTF Facebook, what are you doing now? Um, there, she she makes a great point in that people weren't able to use the options given to them correctly as already. It was. Yeah. So, adding this third option to the list is kind of like confusing the situation more. But would something like a community page have had a place in the previous two options? There was the fan pages, and then what was the other kind? Groups. Just groups. groups. Okay. No. I mean, I, I understand where where their concern is, but I don't understand the difference between a group and a fan page, as it is. And I'm supposed to know this kind of stuff. But... Adding in the community, okay, well, is a community like a group, or is a community like a fan page, or it's n- not really supposed to be either, but... But it seems like you could say it was either. Yeah, exactly. So, it, I mean, it is a little confusing, and and what are the privacy settings on it? How are they different from a fan page where everything has to be public, versus a group where some things can be private, but... You could only, cre- but you should only create a fan page if it's a official brand or something like that. It, it's just, it's very confusing. I don't know. It, uh, yeah, I think that maybe um, users would be better served with some more clear uh, descriptions of what options there are, and um, rather than adding more stuff to the mix, but. Uh, We'll have to see how it plays out and if people use them and if they know what they're using them for. 
But that's it for this week's show. Thanks to our guest, Tracy Falk, and thanks to Webmaster Radio for producing the show. Check out SEMSynergy.com for more on this week's guest and topics, and you can follow us on Twitter at SEMSynergy. If you have internet marketing questions or if there's anything you'd like to hear about, we'd love to hear from you. Just send an email to SEMSynergy at BruceClay.com. Come back next week for more industry info and experts. Thanks for joining us on SEM Synergy. 